Hello and welcome to the January 10th episode of Enjoying the Bible podcast. I'm Matt Ellis. I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida, and our desire here is to help you grow in your understanding and enjoyment of God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Today's podcast is probably going to be a little bit shorter than uh, any of the previous because we only have two chapters, and honestly, these two chapters are pretty self-explanatory, so I'll only bring out a few points in each of them. Um, the chapters for today uh, is Genesis chapter 25 and 26. Genesis chapter 25 and 26. And as I've mentioned before, uh, you can go to the show notes if you're listening to this on a podcast. The show notes are located below this uh, this audio. And on there, you can find a link that will take you to version where you can uh, follow about the Bible plan that I'm using and you can follow it on your own rather than relying upon me to give it to you at each podcast. I hope you're ready to get started. Let's get going. All right, as we get to Genesis 25, uh, we come to the chapter that recounts how this hero of the faith is approaching his death and then dies. In chapter 25, verses 1 through 6, uh, we realize that after Sarah died, Abraham, who is well up in years, um, has another wife, and her name is Keturah, and they have many children together. I can only assume how much younger she must have been than him, uh, but has many children. Those are mentioned in chapter 25, verses 1 through 6. Then in verse 7, we come to the verse that it says, This is the length of Abraham's life, 175 years. Verse 8, He took his last breath and died at a good old age, old and contented, and he was gathered to his people. And so as, you, as we have been reading and, and looking into this, this man who plays so major, so massive a part in not only the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, we have now, we're only into the 25th chapter of the first book of the Bible, and now he has passed away. And so now he's the memory as we continue moving forward. Um, he is buried uh, where his wife Sarah was buried, uh, not far from Hebron. Uh, it's close to Mamre. It's about a mile away. And so the, when he was on the plains of Mamre, you remember the three men. One was the Lord came to him. It's in that same area. And so he is buried there in the cave of Machpelah, the only piece of property that he owned when he died. He did not see at all the fulfillment of the Lord's promise, but it would be coming to fruition as his descendants continue to live and um, as his posterity grows. So we see in verses 12 through 18 that Ishmael's family records, we see this one who was the firstborn child, but not the child of promise, as he is beginning to have many kids and the Lord is blessing him, uh, the father of the Arab nation. Then in verse 19, the, the, high, the, the spotlight focuses on Isaac, on Isaac, the, the promised uh, child, this one who was the, the one that Abraham had in his old age. And he prayed in verse 21, and he prayed on behalf of his wife who was childless. Apparently they were having difficulty having a child, and so he prayed and the Lord heard, and the Lord gave them 
twins. Uh, one was named Red, his name Esau, but it means Red, and the other was uh, named Heel Grabber. His name in the Hebrew is, is Jacob. And heel grabber um, probably meant, you know, just that he was grabbing the heel of his brother as uh, his brother Esau was born first and then Jacob came after. But heel grabber also means in the Hebrew idiom at that time, it means a supplanter. It means somebody who by force or treachery or trickery steps in front of someone else. Um, and that would certainly prove to be true of the character of Jacob. Then I do want you to highlight verses 27 and 28. This is just a personal thing. But uh, one of the things we see in verses 27 and 28 is that this, this patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we see dysfunction all over the place. That God, that, that they were men and women of promise not because of their goodness and their righteousness. They were people of promise simply because God chose them. Um, because if you look at their lives, their lives while they were lives of faith and that sort of thing, they also had their share of struggles. And what we see in chapter 25, verses 27 and 28, is a family that's dysfunctional. What's dysfunctional? Well, they're playing favorites. We realize in those two verses that Isaac has a favorite son. His favorite son is Esau. Uh, Isaac is, you know... The way, way to a man's heart is through his stomach, you've heard. And uh, I, Esau was the hunter and the one who knew how to cook that food whenever he got back. And so Isaac, his dad, loved Esau. And uh, Rebecca loved her son Jacob. So they were playing favorites. You can only imagine that this created, this cultivated even more animosity that would be shared between these two brothers. The parents were guilty in this. In verses 29 through 34, we see that Esau sells his birthright to Jacob, and he does it over um, a pot, over a pot of stew. Esau comes in; he hasn't caught anything, and he is starving, and so he recklessly gets rid of his birthright for this meal. Now, what's a birthright? The birthright in uh, in a concise definition, the birthright was the right of the firstborn child the firstborn son even more specifically, to get twice as much of the inheritance as any of his younger or any of his siblings, any of those that were younger than him. And so Esau gave up his firstborn rights, his right to twice as much as, twice as, much as Jacob would get. He gave it up willingly uh, for the pot of stew. And we would say, how stupid, <laughs> how stupid stupid that Esau, the lunacy of valuing the temporary pleasure of a, of a pot of stew over the long-term financial security and blessing that he could have had, he threw the long-term blessing away for a temporary pleasure. And we can look down our nose all we want, but friend, I'm telling you, we are guilty of the same thing. It's the very nature of sin that instead of chasing after long-term blessings with the Lord and joy in the Lord and clear conscience and everything else and laying up treasures in heaven, whenever we sin, we are choosing temporary pleasures and forfeiting long-term blessings. And so I want you, friend, whenever you and I look at the story of Esau and look at this story, how he sold his birthright for a bunch of stew, we can look down our nose at him, but if we're humble and honest with ourselves, 
When we look at him, we see us. Okay, as we look at Genesis 26 now, we continue to realize that Abraham is now a memory. He's now a memory. And the spotlight of this story, as as Moses is writing the book of Genesis, the spotlight is on his son, Isaac. And one of the things that we realize in the first part of chapter 26 is validates the, the cliche that we've heard, like father, like son. Because in chapter 26, verses 1 through 6, we realize that there was a famine in the land, and the Lord actually had to show up to Isaac and say, don't go to Egypt. Trust me, I will take care of you here. And I wonder if the Lord had to say that because Isaac was tempted to do exactly what his father did, that in a lapse of faith, he went from the place where God had told him to go because of a famine, and he went somewhere else to take care of himself. And so it's wondered if Isaac was prepared to do the same thing just like his father and the Lord had to stop him. We also realize that just like father and son, uh, so, so the son, we realize in chapter 26 verses 7 through 11 that uh, Isaac, just like his father, lied about his relationship with his wife. You know, and instead of, you know, his father saying that she is my wife, he was afraid for his own life, and so he lied and said she's my sister. Well, she was his half-sister, or uh, she was his half-sister, but uh, he was saying sister in order to make it clear that there was no marital relationship uh, to save his own skin, putting his wife's safety and her sexual purity at risk to save his own skin. Abraham did that. We realize in chapter 26 that Isaac did the same thing. Moms and dads, I just want to share with you a lesson that I uh, am all too aware of myself, that our walk with the Lord and our faithfulness, our uh, stumbling into sin, the the things that we tolerate, the lapses of faith, our children are watching. Our children are watching. And when we look at Isaac and how he followed along oftentimes in what his dad did, we are reminded that we have to be so careful in how we live our life with our kids and with our grandkids because they're watching. And if we're not careful, they will follow in our footsteps and do the things that we are not proud of ourselves. Well, then you get to the uh, verses 26 to 33. We'll go on and finish up just by looking at that. Uh, There was conflict over the wells, and then the Lord appeared to Isaac, once again validating the covenant. But I want us to see in verses 26 through 33 that King Abimelech came to Isaac and wanted to set up a peace treaty with Isaac. So what's going on here? Well, one of the things that's very clear is King Abimelech of the Philistines would only have done this if he legitimately believed that Isaac was a threat. If Isaac, if he, he would only do this if he believed that Isaac was powerful enough and, uh, and a potential, and in that power, a threat to his own well-being and the well-being of his people. And so one of the things that we see in the necessity of this peace treaty between King Abimelech, he initiated it with Isaac, is that as Abraham showed up and no one knew him in the promised land and he was a wanderer living in tents, 
God's promise is beginning to come to a fulfillment. God's promise came true in the birth of Isaac, and then God's promise continues to be filled because now Abraham's son, Isaac, is becoming so powerful that he's seen as a potential threat to the people in the, uh, in the promised land. So this is, once again, we see God's promise unfolding. Once again, a reminder that God intends to fulfill and will fulfill every single promise that He gives to us in His Word. But He may not fulfill it in the way and in the time that we would desire, that we would anticipate. But one thing is for sure, is that God has meant every single promise that He has made, and that's where faith comes in. When we read in God's Word that He has made some promises and we claim those, we believe the Holy Spirit is enabling us to claim those for ourselves then oftentimes it's going to seem as if they're not coming true, that God is not fulfilling His promise. But that's where faith comes in. That's where we, like Abraham and Isaac, hold on to that promise, even when it seems that it's not taking place. And we believe in that act of faith that God is going to do what He promised that He's going to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you so much that we, you have given to us your word. And in your word, we thank you that you have given us examples, not of perfect men and women, but of men and women who struggle like we do. But men and women who stand as examples of people of faith, that they trusted in you, even when it didn't make sense, they trusted in you. And we see from the vantage point of history as we look back on the big story of this event that they did not see, we're able to see that you certainly did fulfill your promises. But they trusted. Father, I pray that we would trust in you, not just for salvation, but that we would trust in you throughout the moments of our day, trust in you with our life, trust in you with the decisions, trust in you when it seems as if things are falling apart around us, we trust in you. And Father, I also pray that we would not just generically trust in you, but that you would, through your Holy Spirit and your written word, give us at least one promise that we can hold on to, that we can write down and put in a place where we are constantly looking at it and consciously trusting in what you have said, so that we, regardless of what happens, whenever we come to the end of our life and we stand before you, we, it can truly be said of us that we were people of faith, trusting, trusting in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of another episode in our Enjoying the Bible podcast, and I hope you're enjoying it. Once again, uh, feel free to share this. If you're enjoying this, tell other people about this podcast. Uh, feel free to share it on social media, you know, and not just share the link, but share why you enjoyed a particular episode so that others will know that there is a good reason why they need to check this out. also want to ask you to consider going over to the Facebook group page and posting your 
questions or comments or uh, whatever it is that you've got. Uh, and one other thing, uh, consider going to the, if you're listening to this on a podcast, not necessarily on Anchor, but if you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple or Google, then I would ask you if you would consider posting an honest review with a rating and then just some comments below that. It certainly makes it easier for other people to find us. Looking forward to getting back with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.